goosebumps, bitch. Come on, get nah. into it. I'm only singing that because the new cat came up and I'm like, oh, good, an opportunity to show. Come on, Terry, do your vocal warm-ups. Mm-hmm. You gotta be, like, all callisthenized what? for this podcast. Whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really... You sing! I do sing! Do I'm you warm singing. up? Hell no! That's for smart people. <laughs> people who care. I well... You heard it here first. I'm the smart one, and I'm the one who cares about this. This is not, this is not new. <laughs> Welcome yeah. to season four of Basic this, Snitches. This is Basic Snitches. Four seasons. Four fucking this seasons. This is fucking ridiculous. Four seasons. What Ohio wishes we have, but we basically have two. One and a half. We have fall for like two seconds, but mostly it's summer <laughs> and winter. Spring is not real. Yeah, spring Neither does not fall. exist. So guys, I still don't know how to share the thing. Oh, 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 here it is. Figured it out. I'm so sorry. Oh my god, this is long as fuck. Hey, don't read it yet. We're not on the thing segment yet. This is still <laughs> the introduction. Welcome to Basic Snitches. We're back, Snitches. I'm the smart one who cares, and that is fucking I'm a, potato I'm a lazy weed. bitch. I'm aptly named Potato Bitch. Yes, you are. Every time I see anything that is related to potatoes or cats or eggs, now I send them to Tara, and I'm like, look, it's us. There is one TikTok, which I have outsmarted the TikTok algorithm to only show me content that I really, really, like, love. So it's actually become my, like, relaxation app. Uh, that sounds weird. <laughs> my relaxation. I still meditate, and I use a variety of other apps to actually help me, like, be mindful and stuff. But, like, when I just want to, like, chill out and, like, not worry about stuff and not look at all the bullshit on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. I go to TikTok. There was this one of, I assume, two drag queens. One of them screams, Hey, Alexa, play... Oh, she didn't listen to me for once. Play whatever. And then when Alexa starts playing the song, she goes, That's right, you whore! And then the other one's just drinking a martini and laughing. And I'm like, it's us. It's us when we do a podcast. I'm always just drinking a martini and laughing. (laughs) I'm the one who's creating content. I think that TikTok name is Madge Biscuit. I don't know who's who, but for all intents and purposes, let's assume that I'm Madge and you're Biscuit because you are inevitably every is named after food. I like biscuits. You're a potato egg biscuit, which actually sounds like a delicious breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> now we're not gonna have breakfast. We oh, got eggs. We just ate Chinese. No. However, extra egg roll waiting for me. That's right. We did get Chinese. The egg roll gods have dined down upon <laughs> us. Because <laughs> I ordered two and we got four. And Tara loves her egg rolls. So we've been on break. This is um, us ending that break. Yes. Because we couldn't wait to see each other again. That's right. What else is new? That Don't talk about work. I already heard all about that. No. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing is new. Just stuff. Oh, oh wait, really? hold on. You weren't on another podcast <laughs> or anything that we just talked no. about? I was a guest on the podcast In Death about the J.D. Robb In Death series. And since then, AJ and Jen have asked me to be a regular host on that podcast. Y'all um, stole my potato, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> So yes, I'm on two podcasts now. This is my baby, of course, and the ladies know that. And Does they... anybody want me to be on their podcast? Probably not. <laughs> Tell us which podcast you want Adam to be on. You, they already know our email. As I've been like editing and listening to all of the episodes that have been coming out, we are really pushing the email. It's been really fun. If you are a fan of police procedurals, it's a good series. The first book is called Naked in Death, and it's 
Again, J.D. Robb is the author, who was actually Nora Roberts. That's her pseudonym. It's a bit of a romance set in the not-too-distant future. I'm not a huge romance person, but this is a good series for me because it's got all kinds of stuff. A lot of good humor. And I like yeah, humor. speaking of, what did they say about you? Oh, they said I'm funny. Yeah, so I'm like, what the fuck? What's the difference with this podcast? Why do I have to carry all of this? I just can the, never the live up to the level of humor that you can produce. It's oh, really what it is. Thank you for that compliment <laughs> and she was telling me about one of their features only wrong answers and how i don't get wrong answers until after it was over it was like one of those things you know how you come up with the perfect thing to say in a conversation like hours later after it was done i was like oh i have better answers well i like that so when fuck mary kill finally like fizzles out which let me tell you guys <laughs> these first two chapters not a lot but i was like wow well they told my co-host so i guess i'm gonna steal one of their segments <laughs> Maybe. I mean, we'll see. You know how this is. We wing it every time. And then, of course, the last thing is that <clears throat> Bentley is here again, the newest member of the Basic Snitches family. Oh and he, uh, literally, he just dropped his ball in front of me, so he wants to fetch. So He is making his presence well known. Yes. So get used to this sound. Aww. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's get into it. We are reading... Chapter one of the Goblet of Fire. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Wow. The majors. We're in the majors. We're in the majors. And the name of this is the Riddle House. Yes. And I wrote a thing. Oh my god, I'm so used to you saying you're the loser and the winner and everything. Oh yeah, uh, the winner of We already talked nothing. about that. Uh, I, I was just going to declare myself the winner of something and you the loser of something. Oh, thank you. I am the winner of, and Adam is the loser of winner loser. You care to explain why? Well, one of us has to win, one of us has to lose. So. I get it. So it's arbitrary, but yeah, okay. it is very arbitrary. I'm, but I'm so excited that you were like, you never care. I'm used to our format now. I know. We've been doing this for I don't know what episode this is going to be. 60, We've been doing this for a few minutes. Seventy. By the time, guys. Let's put things into perspective. When we are done with this book, we will have been over 100 episodes. And maybe well over it, because this is a dense, thick book. We may end up having some special episodes mixed in there. Who knows? So, anyways, let's get this oh, thing yes. right. All right, first thing. Oh, chapter one, The Real House. 50 years ago, three people mysteriously died in their house on the hill in a small village called Little Hamilton. There were no clues to who could have killed them, nor how it was that they came to be dead. Did you literally just copy and paste the chapter? No! I feel like that's how this fucking... Okay. Literally, no! The, after Frank Bryce, the gardener of the estate, is arrested for murder, the villagers are quick to speak words against a man who they previously wouldn't have believed would do such a thing. After nobody could prove that Frank was responsible for the death of the Riddle family, he was released and he came back to Little Angleton to live in his small cottage on the abandoned property. Little Angleton is apparently very boring because people continue to gossip about Frank long after his name is cleared. That bitch Dot. Oh, she's like the highlight of the chapter. I fucking hate Dot. She's Dot is probably still gossiping about it with her grandchildren. Honestly, get a fucking life, Dot. Anyway, it is now 50 years later and Frank is in his cottage trying to get some sleep. When his bad leg wakes him up in the middle of the night, that's what I say when fucking Tara wakes me up in the middle of the night. When he gets up to go to the kitchen and he notices the light of a fire in the big house, he doesn't call the police 
Which he can't, by the way, because even though it's the mid-90s, he doesn't have a fucking phone for whatever stupid reason. He also hates the police, don't we all? Thanks to his past, which makes sense. Instead, he decides to go into the house to tell off the boys he assumes have broken into the house. What he should have done was make himself a drink and go back to bed. Mm -hmm. Frank creeps through the house and hears the voices of two men moving through the upstairs hallway. They are talking about weird shit like Quidditch and Muggles and milking whoever and whatever Nagini is. And then they start talking about Harry Potter. He doesn't know who that is or why they are talking about him, but it is immediately very clear to Frank that these men have plans to kill him. They also have killed someone named Bertha Jorkins. Warning, Frank, these are bad dudes. Frank decides he's going to sneak back out of the house and go into the village to call the police, which he could have already done if he had a fucking telephone instead of living in the 1800s. Unfortunately, as he is about to sneak away, a giant ass snake slithers through the hall towards him. When the snake does not attack him, it seems like things will be okay. Until he hears a bunch of hissing in the room, and Frank gets a weird feeling that one of the men can talk to snakes, and that the snake just sold his ass to these murdering intruders, and well, this is 100% bad news for Frank. The men have discovered Frank, and though he attempts to be brave during the confrontation, there is no way out. Frank threatens them with the police and lies to them about having a wife that will notice his disappearance. They counter by calling him a muggle, whatever the hell that is, and calling him out his bullshit lie about a wife. They're like, we know you gay as fuck. Uh, one of the men turns the chair where the voice of the other man has been coming from, where Frank sees what is sitting in the chair. He barely has a moment to be disgusted and horrified before there's a flash of green light and he is killed instantly. RIP Frank. Oh, and you may have noticed this book is about Harry Potter, but he's only mentioned a few times in this chapter. So just to make sure we don't forget him, the last sentence of this chapter mentions that again. That was an incredibly long thing for a very short chapter. It was so hard to do it. Like, originally it was like five sentences, and then I couldn't do anything with it. I mean, this is not the obligatory background chapter. That's the one I got stuck with. This one actually does kind of bring up some new stuff. Yeah. So that's good. Let's get into it. Okay. Immediately, we get into world building. We learn about a new place. Little Hangleton. What I really love about it is that we just had three books in a row where we started kind of in the same place. The first time I read the series, the, only the first four books were out. And I remember just being excited that I was somewhere else yeah. when I first started the book. Yeah. It yeah. definitely has gotten stale over the last few books. Yeah. And I think that this is a great turning point in it. And the fifth book is the last time we start with Harry in the series. The sixth book starts somewhere else. The seventh book starts somewhere else. That's really cool because when we revisit Harry next book, it's not old. Grown so much more. Yeah. The other thing that I kind of like about this is that location-wise, we actually haven't seen too many new locations. I mean, maybe we have. <laughs> I mean, there's things like Hogsmeade, but like Hogsmeade is legendary, you know? Right. We are now learning about a side location. Mm -hmm. This is where we also learn about a lot of new side characters too, starting in this book. And I <laughs> always find myself getting to the seventh book and being like, whoa, there's so many like new places and stuff and I get mixed up about it. Yeah. So one of my goals, I think, now that we're starting here, is to have a more conscious memory of, like, all of these different places. Well, and the cool thing about Little Hangleton is that it's not a magical place. You know, opening a Harry Potter book and the first thing that you read about, other than this mysterious death, and you obviously know, ooh, the riddles, we know that there's something 
related to that. It feels like a, it's a different jump in the series. Like, we're ready to learn so much stuff. Yeah, And the way that point. it's presented gives us this, like, reminder that there's a real world outside of like the magical the world. Yeah. Yeah. We were like, oh, the non-magical world is Primate Drive. The non-magical world is these people who 50 years ago dealt with this. Like we've had some flashbacks already through the series. This is just another one. This is just another way to learn about stuff that happened before. And it's put in there in a way that makes it feel relevant and still fresh. On the flip side of that, I think that we are shown another ordinary place, like you said, but magic is all around us. That's the key with places like Little Hingleton and Privet Drive. These places are very ordinary, but then like right around the corner, there is Harry Potter and Mrs. Fig or the Riddle House. I mean, those are two very extreme right. ends of that. I really like how this opens up in all of these ways that we just talked about. You know, new places in the sense that we don't know this place, but also that it takes us away from Privet Drive. And it still ties us into the story. You don't realize how tied in to this book, this chapter right. is. Right. You're like, oh, it's introductory. Oh, we're learning about Tom Riddle's family. That's why I and say you like- And see Voldemort again. Yeah, that's why I say I want to like make sure that I hold on to this stuff because I know it comes up later and I want to remember things more richly and piece the story together better oh, than yeah. I have in the past. Now the other thing that we get here is kind of a common trope and that's like the haunted house on the hill trope. It, yeah. Which is kind of fun. I feel like it's to an extent maybe something that everybody can sort of relate to. Yeah. I mean, I struggled to, to an extent. I think of like houses that were never like filled. A family lived there and they moved out. It was like vacant forever. And then somebody new moved in, but the same thing. They like moved immediately out. But I don't know, that's like a fun little familiar thing, I suppose. I also like the, I know that I was like making all those jokes about Dot, but I really like how they play into that small town gossipy, this is just what we hold on to. Like this is a thing that happened in the town, will always be a central discussion. That brings in a lot of the realistic nature of it. At the same time, we like immediately get a flavor of genre. We have always related each book back to adventure mystery, mm -hmm. whatever have you. This is de definitely that mystery vibe. And it almost doesn't even feel like a Harry Potter book at first. No, it doesn't, which is cool. Which is, yeah, absolutely. It's a nice, like, change. Especially, hey, guess what? I'm already going to talk about one of my major things. Here we go. Agatha Christie. It makes me think of Agatha Christie. Mm -hmm. Because it is a little gossipy British town. Yeah. And it's a mystery theme. Definitely has that feel. And it's immediately dark, which is, guess what? the tone of this book. This book has this huge dark undertone that's got all this light trying to pull itself out of it. This first chapter makes it very clear that it's gonna this be- This is gonna be a scary one. This is gonna be a lot. I'm glad that you brought that up because in the last book you always talked about, oh, this is so much more of a dark book, mm -hmm. which I never really thought of Prisoner of Azkaban as being dark, but the reason why is because of Harry's background. This is like classically dark. We open up with death. Guess what? There's gonna be more death in this book. This is where we have to start making death funny. <coughs> <sighs> so get Fuck. ready. This is going to be a master class in making forbidden things funny. Who but is teaching this? <laughs> I am, bitch. I'm your professor. Well. All right. I already mentioned Agatha Christie. I'm going to mention one of my other favorite things. Divination! Here we are. How, what, how many time, minutes have... 22 minutes in. I don't know what minute it's going to be when you're listening to it. I'm going to edit shit. The Hanged Man Pub. The Hanged Man is a tarot card. And the Hanged Man is not as gruesome as it sounds. 
it references observing. What it is, is like a man or my favorite deck, Mystic Mondays, it's the hanged woman and she is hanging from trapeze by her legs and she's upside down. And it's just kind of about like sitting there and observing and patience to a degree. And I think that it's aptly named here because when you hear the hanged man, you automatically think of gallows. Yeah. But if that's the case, that it's more of like the terror interpretation, all these people are observing what's going on in the town. They're gossiping here. Mm -hmm. This is like the hub of all of the observation. So it's very, very interesting. Oh, that's cool. That's how I read into it. I don't know if that's what she meant, but it fits. And then this is where we get the cook come in. We got to talk about this cook. This fucking cook. At first I was like, this bitch lucky. Because there is a line that is literally, there was a rush to buy the cook drinks. Right? I want to be that cook. Same. Buy me some drinks. I don't like cooking. I found a dead person. I would like some wine, please. So at first I was like, she's lucky because her tab paid for it. But then she pins it on Frank Bryce that he could have like crept up into the house when they were sleeping. Mm -hmm. Bitch, you just said, or someone had said, I don't know if it was necessarily her, that they were found in like their dinner clothes or something in the middle of the day. Yeah. So bitch, no, nobody crept in the house when they were sleeping. But she'd already done had enough from all these free drinks. And the cook clearly being about, I'm gonna go get some attention and some free drinks. She knew what she was doing. She knew what she was doing. I mean, I'd do the same thing. Yeah. So immediately people are like, Frank, never. As the cook says, I always thought he was odd. Unfriendly, like I'm sure I've offered him a couple once. I've offered it to him a hundred times. Who else had a key to the back door? Nobody forced the door at night. No broken windows. All Frank had to do was creep up on the big house while they were all sleeping. Yeah. But it wasn't so, when they were sleeping. This bitch trying to be Miss right, Marple. She, she doesn't get it. Yeah, you ain't Miss Marple, bitch. You crazy. You know what? Stop talking. Just drink your drinks. Another thing that happens here that I thought was odd is, this is actually maybe a little bit after all the gossip and this rigmarole involving the cook, but they mentioned that the house is now owned by somebody who has it just for tax purposes. I'm like, what? Who? Why? Why do you want a house for tax purposes? For tax purposes? That I own a house. And let me tell you, well, I own it so that I can live here. But I don't can't imagine owning this house and just letting it sit vacant and having it for tax purposes. Tax purposes. That's for Maybe sure. Maybe J.K. Rowling never owned a house. Well, she, bought. she doesn't understand how that works. <laughs> She doesn't understand how a lot of things work. Oh, amen. I love the whole scene because it's that classic, the right person says something suspicious enough or like something that makes people doubt their opinions enough that everyone just flips their opinion around. They're like, yeah, that guy was terrible. Oh my God, no one likes him. He's horrible. Everyone was quick to be like, oh no, he wouldn't do that. And then someone throws out just like the tiniest bit of evidence that could be against him and like oh that's it that's like people are so easily swayed oh i think that that's really like the small town Tight everyone knows everyone's shit if you used your logic here you know doing exactly what you were saying if they thought about it and the maid found them in their dinner clothes but now they're saying frank snuck in while they were sleeping if you use the tiniest bit of logic you can break that argument no one's using that because someone's already put it out into the world that this must be the way it is and it's just like you can't be the odd man out yeah, I mean, it immediately dispels the whole Agatha Christie thing. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, you're like, well, they tried, and then... <laughs> These people are too stupid to solve any murders. Now, this is also a chapter where we start to see already new themes kind of coming up that are going to be details from now to the end of the series. For example, just the theme of death in general, and then the introduction of Nagini here, mm -hmm. who we have not seen yet. No. But also the <clears throat> Bertha Jenkins... Jorkins. Bertha Jorkins, <laughs> I call her yes. Bertha Jenkins every time. The Bertha Jorkins stuff, which is 
how Nagini became a Horcrux. Major spoiler there, but if you're listening to this, you've been noosed. So I already like those things kind of been being planted here. Mm -hmm. This is also why I say that Prisoner of Azkaban, to a degree, takes, like, a break. Because we just saw the fucking diary. And now here yeah. we are seeing Nagini. Something else, there are mentions of a memory. That's another thing that is kind of a prominent thing. I think of Horcruxes again. I think of Occlumency, which kind of to a degree sort of comes up in the end of the chapter where Harry kind of sees this in his dream and whatnot. In the pensive. Pensive? Is it pensive? Pensive? I don't know. I think it might be pensive. Pensive is an emotion. Yes, it is an emotion. Maybe it is pensive. I don't know. What do you guys think? The big stone basin. Pensive, yes, in the big stone basin. It's like the sheets with a hole. That thing is now called the big stone basin. <laughs> That's also somebody's nickname. I don't know who. It's not Tara's. I gave her enough. Tara's like, finally. Win. So yeah, I like that it kind of sets up some of these things without us necessarily knowing about it unless we read it already. Right. As much as I was like shitting on Frank and the little summary I wrote, I, I still think he's a fucking idiot. Like, own a goddamn phone. But I like the parallel of this town that just seems so old fashioned and not at all up to, you know, this would be the 90s that feels like a parallel to Hogwarts. They don't tell us oh, Hogwarts. Yeah. They don't have, it's very old fashioned. They still fucking like write with quills and ink and use parchment. There's no computers and there's no stuff that muggles use that are way more advanced than wizards. So I think it's interesting that Frank is this muggle that we meet in this chapter who is clearly not up to date either. Even things like the water ball and stuff feel very antiquated to me. That's a great way to re read into it that I don't think I did. So Frank goes in the house. He does. And he hears these weird ass conversations. Which I think is amusing. I, th I think it's fun the way that it's like set up that he's like, I heard Minister of Magic and Wizards. So what the fuck yeah. is this? He thinks that they're like talking in code. In code, yeah. And he's like, well, it could only be a spy or a criminal then. And then of course he like hears murderers and stuff. And so he's half right, I guess. Another thing about like this whole conversation that they're having, other than of course setting things up and mentioning Harry and really kind of setting that premise of, okay, this is why we are seeing this. This is why the book is opening this way. Yeah. Is to show, hey, Voldemort's coming after Harry again. You remember that? We took a book off where that didn't happen. But there are so many other reasons why this book starts with this chapter. Mm -hmm. Other than the things that we've already talked about, such as that. So I wrote down some other thoughts here on why this is such like an important way to start the book like you already said it shows a shift into darkness it also shows more depth to harry's scar previously it would only be when he was near and now it shows it's almost like a communication tool right well that's kind of the beginning of the next chapter but yeah this chapter is showing us what that tool does right exactly the birth of jorkin stuff is very important too not just because <clears throat> of the horcrux connection but it shows that they're already out killing people the Birth of Jorkins thing it gets really, really important later on in the book. It's so well downplayed. It's extra shocking when you learn all the truth about it. What I really love about this chapter is the planning. Voldemort and Wormtail mm -hmm. information. It like, sets up a lot of intrigue. So when you're reading this book for the first time, you know who Wormtail is. You know the Dark Lord is Voldemort at this point. But like looking back on it now as someone who's, who's read it, like it's really fascinating to look at it now from this angle. We know what's going on. We know what they're planning you don't really interact with him much again until you see him in the seventh book but this is the first sign of weakness from wormtail he's already like we could do this without harry and he's right yeah he's so 100 percent right this is part of my like i hate wormtail he's 
literally like in top five least favorite characters in the series for me. But it's just more proof that there was something good in him that has been so far destroyed. Oh, that's fun. And his capability to, and I don't know that it's that he understands it because he's, he's a cowardly, terrible piece of shit. Had Voldemort listened to him, the way that this whole story went would have changed. Wormtail is so much bigger of a character than we ever want to give him credit for because we hate him so much. He is a huge catalyst for this whole series. Had he not betrayed Lily and James, this story wouldn't have happened. Had he gotten his way in this moment, the story would have changed entirely differently. You know, he has that debt to Harry from the third book. Things would have been different. It shows how much of the sidekick he is. He makes me think of LeFou from Beauty and the Beast. Like right. he's like this bumbling little sidekick that doesn't understand the bigger picture. He's but just he's such to... a huge part of it. And it's scary when someone like that is a huge part of the big picture. And I mean, I even think back to when good old Skinny Dick was un unratted in the last book. <laughs> and how he was instantly trying to like flip the narrative in his favor and yeah. he's doing it really badly and I think to an extent we see some of that here too that he is willing to cut corners that he isn't thinking yeah. of and that's the thing is like picture. he's I not like he's not that, doing but. he's not doing this because he cares about Harry he's doing this because he knows that getting to Harry is too hard he's not smart but he's right I hate Wormtail but I'm so much more fascinated by him tell him by his Christian name Skinny Dick please I hate Skinny Dick he's the worst his presence in this scene is so integral that I never thought of it. I'm just like, oh, he's the person who went to Voldemort. The yeah. end. This is obvious at this point, but that's the other big thing here. The reason why we need to see this is because already we're establishing that Peter did reunite with Voldemort as well. That's a really great reading of Pettigrew and, and yeah. Skinny Dick. I'm sorry. Uh, and <laughs> fleshing out that character more to give a little bit more insight. Even though he's another one where, like, do we really need the inside of the character? Not necessarily, but it makes it so much more robust and fun to think of all of that. And there's a lot of information here, but there's so much information that we're going to learn down the road. Yeah. It's a really cool chapter to look at from this standpoint. Yeah. At the end, Frank dies and Harry wakes up from a dream and all of that. I honestly don't have too much I more. I really don't either. The um, only other thing I did write down that we didn't talk about, but you touched on in your thing, is that why they gotta keep talking about Milk and Nagini? That sounds nasty. It's very weird. Here's my biggest issue with it, other than the fact that it's fucking weird. My second biggest issue with it is it's not ever really discussed again. And like to clear things up, in case you didn't understand, because Nagini is a snake, they're talking about milking its teeth, its venom, not its titties. That, that snake milk that from her snake titties. From <laughs> her snake titties. Because I don't necessarily think, like, they even talk about, like, using Nagini's venom or anything. I'm assuming it's something that makes him stronger. Yeah. If you were going to, like, milk a snake for its venom, like, okay, you want to use that to put other people at harm, you know? But, well, yeah, I'm sure people do it for sense. potions and stuff. Or magical, like, yeah, remedies and stuff. That's true. I was thinking more, like, in the normal world. Oh, well. Um, we're not really there. Well, we technically are. We're in Little Hangleton, so. Little Hangleton, Anyways. where Dot is still talking about shit. Oh, yeah, from 50 and then there's Dot ago. too. I don't know. I thought it was fun. Dot, <laughs> she would be friends with Petunia. She would be. I find it amusing that, like, everyone is this person and the cook and the maid, and no one has a name except fucking Dot. I know. Queen, you know, Gossip Queen. I wonder, like, if there's some purpose behind that. Maybe there's someone that J.K. Rowling just really fucking hated named Dot and was like, is this the bitch? You're gonna be a bitch too. <laughs> Dot is short for Dottie, which is short for Dorothy. 
Yeah. I don't know if there's anything to that, but eh, rude. One more thing. Mm-hmm. Frank being killed with Avada Kedavra. We do know that's what it is, but he doesn't know that. He doesn't say Avada Kedavra right, to like, kill him, but that's how this book opens up. Now, it does not say in this book, but if you're using your brain and you've read Harry Potter before, clearly the three dead riddles at the beginning of the book were killed using Avada Kedavra. Right, right. That's true because they go into their like symptoms. And there's nothing wrong with them except for they look like they've been frightened to death or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I like how it talked about how like they were in perfect health if they hadn't been dead. And then that's how Frank dies. I wonder what Dot's going to make of that. Dot's probably an anti-vaxxer or something. She'll come up with something. She's like a 95-year-old anti-vaxxer. Her great-grandchildren are going to die She's young. either an anti-vaxxer or she's like the old woman survives off of cigarettes and whiskey. <laughs> For her sake, I hope she's the latter. Right. Because that sounds a lot more fun. Same. All right. Fuck, Mary kill. Okay. Speaking of good old Dot, yeah. we're going to talk about three ladies. Starting it off for all y'all who like them. It's two, but I wanted yes. I wanted to be three. Now. I know it's two ladies. That's from Cabaret. <laughs> I wanted to be three. I'm just kidding. All right, so you want to fuck all three of these people at the same time? I'm doubtful. The cook, Dot, and the maid. Well, I'm going to marry the maid. Really? Yeah, because she a maid. Oh, you want that maid to do your cleaning. And I'm gonna fuck Dot because she probably is fun. Not marry the cook because she was certain. Wait, shit. so you're marrying the cook fuck. and the maid? No, I'm killing. I'm sorry, I'm killing the cook. You can't fun. marry both of them because they can do all your I chores. I just answered your question. I'm killing the cook. Why? Because she's starting shit. Dot's probably starting shit too. Yeah, but Dot is just funny. Technically, the maid started all their shit by by finding dead people. Yes. <laughs> the poor thing, like found dead people. She's not even at the fucking pub. She's probably traumatized. Well, the people at the pub sound more fun to me. Right. So I'm killing the maid. (laughs) The maid found dead people. She can be a dead person for all I care. There's not a lot about her. There's not a lot of color to her existence. I can clean. I'm a neat freak. Here's the other thing. I'm the type of person who, when I clean, I like to do it my way. I don't want somebody else doing it wrong so that then I have to clean up after them. I mean, she's a maid. I feel like she knows what she's doing. She doesn't do it the way I want to clean. So I'm killing her. She can go lay on the floor of that mansion with those dead riddles. I'm going to marry Dot because she seems fun. I like to think that she is what I had just said. She's like the old withered bitch who wears all denim head to toe. She's got a kerchief around her neck. She talks like this. Probably. She has always has a cigarette hanging off her lip. She has really fun glasses. She's always fucking the poor boy. That's Dot. I want to marry her. And so I'm gonna fuck the cook. All right. Because she's the one that's left. And hey, I mean, if I buy her enough drinks, then, you know, who knows what she'll do. I don't know what that means. I don't know anything about Lady. She's the only one left. Oh, I mean, also, they're probably all terrible humans, so... I don't know. That's pretty cool. There's a lot of terrible humans in this chapter. Yes. Don needs, needs a fucking let's, life. Let's get, I mean, these are better options than where you could have gone. Let's get these people. We, we don't know. We just got a slice of their life, but I'm judging my fuck Mary Kill off those slices of that's, life. That's all you can do. So I'm a fuck that cook. You do that. Then let's talk about the movie. The very first thing that I noticed, and I mean that we get through a little bit of things, you know, Frank gets up, he goes, gets water bottle. He looks out the window, he sees the light in the window. He's like, fucking kids. Yeah. He goes outside. 
when he's walking through this garden, the garden looks CGI because he is, you know, he's being paid to upkeep uh-huh. the garden. Why are you making these like perfect ass looking topiaries around this decrepit house? Right, the house is creepy as fuck. It by makes the way. no sense to me. That is almost the main thing that I noticed from that like whole part of the movie before we get into the house. So my question is, the stairwell that Frank walks up, did they use that same stairwell in the third movie? In the Shrieking Shack? <laughs> the Shrieking Shack. And then they do they use it again when they're in Grimmauld Place? Grimmauld Place, right? They okay, thank one, you. They got one They staircase. got one stairwell for every building that isn't Hogwarts. Yep. And for Hogwarts, Because all of their budget is that. on Hogwarts stairwells. That's where we, they got to make those ones move. Every other building, they get the shitty one. That's why the Ministry of Magic has elevators. <laughs> Right. You heard it here first. They don't have stairs Canon. there. Just Canon. fucking elevators. That's right. Everywhere. And then, of course, once they get upstairs to the whole meat of this chapter... Then I'm pissed. It's just like the fucking Shrinking Shack. When they have a scene in an old decrepit house, they gotta, like, barrel through it And fuck it up. Yes. Like, first of all, Barty Crouch Jr. Why is Barty Crouch Jr. there? I know you want to put David Tennant on screen. I respect that. I always want David Tennant on screen. But guess what? Not when we're trying to tell this goddamn story. Right. When he's not supposed to be there till the very end. Not, like, set up any additional, like, plot points, intrigue, anything. This gives everything away. Yeah. If you have not read the books at all, and even if you have, then you're just pissed. If you are just watching the movies, the whole movie has literally been spoiled for you in the first 20 seconds of the movie. Yeah. I gotta think later on we're gonna see something and be like, oh, this is why they chose to put it there instead of here, and they were just combining scenes. I appreciate you. I don't think you're correct. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, you also don't think you're correct. We even said, like, after this scene ended, and we were like, well, that's it. Because guess what, guys? The next chapter is not in the movie. Not at all. Not, not in the slightest. It's and there's a reason for that, but we'll we'll get just frustrating. Episode. The addition of Barty Crouch to the scene is it, it ruins it. It ruins everything. If it's not because they cut something else later and they tried to combine scenes, then it's to get David Tennant on the on the screen. The only information we get from this entire segment is Frank Bryce comes into the house, he hears them talking, which we don't really get to hear any of their conversation yeah. like we do in the book, well, and then you see Wormtail, and that's it. Like, that's the only recognizable thing yeah. from this. You don't get to see Voldemort. Yeah. You well, know, you, you get to see his little, like, old lady hand. Yeah. Like, when you go to the nursing home and all the old yeah. ladies are around, they got really tiny hands. That was a that's, weird way to describe it, but, but you know what I mean. But I know what you're saying. <laughs> but also, like, now I'm, like, second-guessing this. I don't think Voldemort kills Frank. Yeah, he does. Does he? He's like, get the fuck out of the way so I can show Yes, move aside so I can give it. Okay. But we don't get to see that. We just see the the red light. Whatever green, green, whatever color that is. Oh my god, you don't even drink that much. You haven't even finished your cup. No. The one thing that it does show that I talked about as being like an important part of why this is the first chapter in the book, context clues. Obviously, after the last book, where is Skinny Dick going to go? He's going to go to Voldemort. But just kind of establishing that, that like, okay, they have reunited. But all these other additional things are completely disregarded. So the movie gets an F. It, I mean, I probably could have given it like a D minus. The actor who they got playing Frank is great. Yeah. For his two seconds of screen time. The house does look great. It looks very creepy. creepy. The garden looks 
creepier because it looks it doesn't like look it's real. made out of clay. Frank is appropriately in the 1800s, as I commented, as he fucking lights a stove that looks like it was built in, like... The Great Depression. The Great Depression. I mean, it looks cool. Old stuff looks cool. Yeah. Very truncated. We're going to have words to say about this movie. So buckle in. It's not going to be very nice stuff. No. Here's who gets points. Yes. Plus 10 to Bertha Jenkins. See, I did it again. Fucking Bertha Jenkins. Bertha Jorkins gets 10 points. Okay. She went to on vacation and they killed her. And I'm like, you poor thing. Right? Like, that sucks. And I did some reading up on Bertha Jorkins and who she was, that she was part of like the magical gaming committee or whatever the fuck. And the sense that I got from Bertha Jorkins is that she was just a cool bitch that was cut down in her prime, which is the theme in the series. So, right. So plus 10 to Bertha Jorkins. Plus 10 to the cook because she got some drinks. <laughs> She got a good day. That's right. Plus five to Frank Bryce. I felt bad for him, but he also made some dumb choices. Classic horror movie bullshit. Yeah. He would let himself be chased upstairs by a man with a knife, let's yeah. be honest. Exactly. And even like when he confronted, we didn't really talk about this, but we touched on it in, in your thing. Oh, my wife. And they're like, bitch, we got a third damn eye. We are wizards. We know you ain't got. You ain't got a wife, bitch. You look gay as hell. But I still kind of felt bad for him because he was like sitting ducks and he's kind of the main character in this chapter. So good for you. Five points. Oh. And then five points to Doc because she sounds fun. Negative five to Nagini simply because she snitched. <laughs> and negative ten from Voldemort and Skinny Dick because they're the true bad guys in this chapter. I love it. <laughs> so to recap, plus ten to Bertha and the cook. Plus five to Frank and Dot, negative five Nagini, and negative ten Voldemort and Pettigrew. All right. That's it. We did the first Woo! the first of many chapters there of this season. There are a lot of chapters so, in this book. And the next time, we're going to be reading chapter two, which is The, the Scar. Scar. That's right. We're going to be talking about The Lion King. Oh, yeah. Chapter. That's Adam if he were a Disney villain. Yeah, we probably talked about that in another episode. I just like envision you being like, I'm surrounded if by idiots. If you were idiots. a Disney villain, you would be... You're shaking your head like you know I'm going to say. No, whatever it is, is I'm sure I'm going to be I like... I mean, my first group. thought was Ursula, because you both thick bitches. <laughs> Ursula is bad fucking ass. I kind of feel like I'm one of her, like, I'm Flotsam or Oh, Jackson. my Flotsam. We, we are Flotsam and <laughs> or Or we are Hades, little fucking, like, that red one. And then the pointy one. The pointy one. Ur Ursula. <laughs> or that that's you you're Ursula. you're ursula's like above sea level sister ursula um ursula and maleficent i think are the best Oof. i'm not badass enough to be maleficent no none of no us one are. is maleficent is amazing write us tell us which disney villains we are make it cool don't call and be like oh you're madam mim madam mim is great though Fuck that bitch. I don't want to be Madame Mim. You're definitely not. When people like Scar and Hades exist, you're you definitely not I Madame probably Mim. Am. I'm probably that cat fox motherfucker from Pinocchio. That's another one. They're <laughs> going to be all the gay ones. All Disney villains are gay. Let's Hades, queen. Jafar, queen. Scar, oh, queen. All of them. They're all gay. Which Disney villain is Adam? Which Disney villain sidekick am I? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm Jafar and you're Iago. No. I, if that's the opposite. I'm Iago for fucking sure. 
because I'm loud and fucking annoying and brightly colored. I'm I, not brightly colored at all. All I do is work. I want the mustache, the Jafar mustache. Oh, this podcast has already taken a turn. There, they turned Welcome out. Welcome to season four! We, we finished the Harry Potter stuff. Now we're talking about Disney. We got another one of these <laughs> to do, and it's already, what, 9.30? We're cool. See you next time. Chapter Bye. Two. Bye. Basic Snitches is produced and recorded by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by Adam Bowers. And published by Tara Corkery via Podbean. And now available for download. Special thanks to all of you for taking the time to download and listen to us. We hope you enjoyed us. If you enjoyed us, please be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice. And if you didn't enjoy us, then we're sorry you're so angry. Please also connect with us. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Basic Snitches or email us at basicsnitches at gmail.com. We're excited to get more feedback from our listeners and to hear what you have to say about the questions and discussions we have on the podcast. Catch Catch you later, snitches. snitches!